Morning. Well, hopefully you had a uh, safe journey in, been uh, talking to various people, and uh, it is still quite slick out there, so as you travel home as well, it's still going to be cold, and the roads are still icy. As I was pulling in, um, I was slowing down to turn into the, into the parking lot, and uh, I saw that big post. They're setting a post out there. I don't know if they're still out there doing that, but uh, I saw that, and I wasn't sure if that was in our, in our area or where it was, but anyway, I slowed down, but the guy behind me that was a little ways back in a nice pickup truck. I glanced at my rear view mirror and he was fishtailing all across the road and I thought he was going in the ditch. And uh, I pulled into the parking lot quickly and he uh, pulled her out and went straight on past, thankfully. But um, yeah, there have been a lot of accidents out there. So be careful as you travel today back and forth. So, you know, the best thing you do, just stick around for the taco bar. It'll get nice and warm and then, uh, and you can go home a little later. So we'll be good that way. Well, last week I began a brief, what I would call two-week look at the the paradox of power. And it was based on uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10 specifically. We'll be looking at those today, but especially 1 through 10. And and really what I wanted to do is, uh, last week, it was looking at the idea that we are totally inadequate in and of ourselves, that we are struggling in our lives uh, just to try to exist, to survive, to function from day to day. Uh, And I think many of us in, in uh, in our walk, even as believers in Jesus Christ, we struggle with this aspect that we are totally inadequate. I can't do it. And, and that very much is true. Though today I want to look at completing the paradox of power by helping you understand that by being absolutely inadequate, you are in reality totally adequate. And that's an encouragement. And I hope you're excited today. I appreciate Karina and the, and the worship team this morning. As they, you know, if you can't come to church and get excited, there's something wrong with you. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is a hospital for sinners. So we come in and there's times when I need to be, they throw me on the gurney and go, clear. Because there's some weeks I feel like I'm just dead. I'm done. Uh, I'm roasted. I've failed miserably. And maybe some of you are like this. We're not a country club for saints. It's the wrong place. If that's what you're here for, you're in the wrong place. I'll tell you that right up front. Because we all hurt. We all have problems. We all struggle. And as we work and struggle together, I want you to be encouraged today. I want you to to take those songs that we sang and realize that, that it is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And that's the only way that we can be totally adequate. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're not there yet. I'm telling you, it's hard. You know, when you know the ending already, it's hard not to get there. You just want to flip to the end and go, yeah, we win. But we're not there yet. So today, that's what I want to, I want to walk through with you, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10, and I want to look at the aspect of being totally adequate. Now, last week, I concluded our, our study by reading from a devotional from Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. And again, I want to start up with that again. I want to read it to you. Maybe you weren't here last week, or maybe you don't remember, and and it's just as a refresher. But again, listen as if Jesus is speaking to you personally. And this is the way that she writes. Here's what Jesus is saying to you today through Sarah's words. When some basic need is lacking, time, 
energy, money, consider yourself blessed. Your very lack, in other words, your inadequacy, is an opportunity to latch onto me in unashamed dependence. When you begin a day with inadequate resources, you must concentrate your efforts on the present moment. This is where you are meant to live, in the present. It is the place where I always await you. Awareness of your inadequacy is a rich blessing, training you to rely wholeheartedly on me. The truth is that self-sufficiency is a myth perpetuated by pride and temporary success. Health and wealth can disappear instantly, as can life itself. Rejoice in your insufficiency, your inadequacy, knowing that my power matures in weakness. We're going to be talking about that today. My power matures in weakness. You see, this is the key to growth. This is really where the paradox of power lies. And before we get into our study this morning, though, I, I want to I ask the Holy Spirit to guide our hearts and our minds. So pray with me, if you would. As we really dig in, I want to encourage you that he encourages you as well today. Father in heaven, thank you again for your spirit that lives in us. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, then we have the spirit that, that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, and he lives within us. And even if, though we are totally inadequate with him, we are able to move mountains. Father, help us to realize that today. Help us to recognize this paradox of power in our lives. Father, grow us in you. Thank you for this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last week I talked about, uh, just as a quick review, talked a little bit about Paul's struggle with inadequacy. And it was, it was interesting because initially Paul had been given this amazing revelation, this vision that we talked about last week. A vision of paradise in verses 1 through 6 of chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. If you haven't already turned there, go ahead and turn there. Uh, we're going to be getting into this passage here in just a moment. But even as Paul had been given this revelation, this vision, yet he was, he was reluctant to boast to the Corinthians so that they wouldn't see him as some kind of special. As what, looking at him and going, wow, Paul, you're amazing. No, Paul says, no, I don't want to be viewed in that light. Just because... I've been given this special revelation. And as a result, to keep him humble, God gave Paul what he clarified as a, a thorn in his flesh. We talked a little bit about this last week. Not sure what kind of thorn that it was. Those that uh, believe, those commentators, many believe that it may have been those that opposed the gospel that went up against him. Could have been the Judaizers, could have been other Pharisees, those that were opposed to Paul and his, his life because of who he was. It could have been a struggle as well with uh, sexual or even spiritual temptation that maybe Paul was, there was always something that was there. It's just like, ah, why do I wrestle with this? It also could have been, as many of us have heard in, in our studies, that it could have been a physical limitation as well. Whatever that disability may have been, whether it was his weakness of his eyes, unable to see very well, whatever that case may have been, Paul had a thorn, and he struggled with that. He struggled with that inadequacy. In fact, if you go back 
into 1 Corinthians and even 1 and 2 Corinthians. It always, he's constantly referring to the fact that he came in weakness. You know, Paul is a strong talker, but yet when he came, he came in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And I think many of us can relate to Paul. You know, you, you talk, to, uh, talk to me about the gospel. I can be excited about the gospel, but sometimes you go to talk to somebody and you feel like you don't have the answer. You feel like, oh, I don't know what to say. I'm stuck. We come in fear and trembling on knowing that we are totally inadequate in and of ourselves. And Paul saw that. Paul understood that. Yet the response that Paul had was interesting and one that we don't normally think of. It was that he boasted. He boasted and took pleasure in his weakness. How many of us like to boast about our weaknesses? No, I would say it's more like complain about our weaknesses. Um, I don't like problems. I don't like difficulties. I like everything smooth. Marilyn knows that. Dan knows that. Josh is learning that. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah, I just, no, I don't want a problem. I want to fix it. I'm a fixer. So I want to fix it. My wife knows that. And sometimes she says, <laughs> her, her greatest question for me is always the one that levels me. Have you prayed about it? Duh! But most of the time it was like, well, no, I, yeah. Uh, that's, you know, when all else fails, pray. Oh, and I've said this before. It's like, no, that's, not, that's a lot, not the last place to go. It's the first place to go. So Paul was boasting in his, in his uh, weakness and taking pleasure and realizing that he needed to be weak to destroy that self-sufficiency, that self-control, that pride, that arrogance that we as individuals, as believers many times, as men can have. And it's a struggle. Paul humbled himself and he submitted himself to God's plan and he said, this is where I want to be. So the question today is that how is it possible to be totally inadequate yet totally adequate? Well, Paul demonstrated that for us and, and now we're going to look at it as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. Follow along in your copy of Scripture with me. I want to read through these again. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities rather than that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The first thing I want to look at in verses 7 and 8 is really the importance of these thorns. We talked a little bit about them last week. Again, that some of this will be a re uh, refresher. And sometimes it's like again and again and again. When I hear it, I finally get it. So hopefully that'll be for you as well. That You'll walk away going, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. Great. Now let's live in light of that. So in the importance of the thorns. You know, we all experience different thorns. Paul says, lest I should be exalted above measure, I was given this thorn in the flesh. And we talked about a little bit last week, pride and anger and worry and guilt 
and fear and the conflict that comes, which can lead to financial problems, job problems, marital issues, depression, anxiety, even into addictions. It's amazing where these things can lead, where, what path they can take us down. And many, it could be many different paths, but usually there comes back to some key root issues in our lives that tend to stem from that. And from there, then this tree grows and then we, we develop all these fruits. And many times in the counseling setting, that, that as a counselor, one of the things I, I try to do is I listen carefully to what you're talking about. And I would encourage you to do the same. Look in, in the mirror, examine your own hearts. As you talk with people and they're telling you these struggles, many times we try to pick the fruit off of these trees. That tree is, is producing these fruits, but every time you pick off a fruit, what happens? It grows back. So you pull that fruit off and another one grows back. What do you need to do? The key is, is putting, now moving the, the tree from where the roots are planted in this whatever key issue is, whether it's pride, anger, anxiety, fear, whatever that is. Let's move it over by streams of living water. It's amazing how quickly those fruits then die that have been produced and new fruit grows. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are the fruits that we want. But a lot of times we don't recognize these things and we, and actually sometimes God will give us these things to, to humble us, to grow us. And so when you look at these thorns, you have to ask yourself, you know, with all the different types that are out there, are they really, are they of my making or is God teaching me something? And regardless of the case, these thorns can be useful. Have you ever had something that has caused you a disability, whether it's something you struggle with mentally, physically, as Paul struggled with. These thorns can help us by driving us really back to God. If they're not, then we're missing the opportunity to grow in Christ. And sometimes those thorns stay for, for years. Now, maybe they'll go away, but sometimes they don't. And if they don't, are we relying on God to get us through them. You know, Paul didn't want these thorns. Look what it says there. He said, I didn't want this thorn. He said, uh, concerning this thing, I, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And as I mentioned last week, Weymouth says that he may have been even the demon or Satan himself might depart from Paul if he was the one that was specifically attacking him. But Paul came to realize, and really, he realized it, and not only that, but he embraced the fact that the thorn in the flesh was essential to his ongoing weaknesses, and, and, don't miss this, the experience of Christ's ongoing power. Do you think about Christ's power in your life when you're going through difficulties, I venture to say no, because I'm usually there too, many times. The last thing I'm thinking about, sadly, when problems arise is, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad for this problem. Why should I, why should I be thankful? Because he's taking me through it to grow me. But sadly enough, usually we're very quick to, like I talked about last week, complain and be discouraged and, 
and, and frustrated. And let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you are getting older? Now, some of you, yeah, Randy's sitting there going, no, uh-uh. No, I've stopped right, I've stopped right where I'm at. You know, it, it's not, I'm not going anymore. So y'all are going to pass me up. And, and, you know, it's weird. There's time, when I, out at Walmart yesterday, we were out floating around and doing some shopping. And I see people and ran into somebody once. It wasn't yesterday, but uh, didn't, he and his wife and, my wife and I looked at each other and said, I knew the wife. Is that her husband? What happened to him? I mean, it looked like, I said, do I look that old? <laughs> I go home in the, in the mirror and I'm going, oh, there he is. There's the guy from, from high school. I'm like, oop, where'd he go? There he is. I think some days I think God gave me a superhero, superpower. It's called stretch. The stretch, you know, I'm Captain Stretch. And then you jiggle and everything moves and it's like, oh man, I am getting old, aren't I? Turn with me back to, to chapter four. See, Paul understood this idea that we're gonna struggle. We're gonna have struggle whether, whether emotional or, or temptation, spiritual, those type of things. But, you know, as well, we're also gonna have physical struggles. And if you look back with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul was talking about this a little earlier in verses 7 to 12. Paul says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And that's talking about us, our bodies. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Think about that. He starts out by telling us that this treasure in earthen vessels, that our bodies are, they're, they're made to decay. But it's that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So when, when things happen, when, when we have difficulties come, we can point to God throughout all of it and say, not me, but him. Not me, but him. I want you to see him through all of this. Look at verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Amen? We are perplexed, but not in, what's your version say? Not in what? What is it? Despair. How many of you have been there? Yeah. Anxiety, depression, fear, despair. He said, but yet we are not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but ultimately not what? Destroyed. Amen? You know, we're going to die one day, but when they shut the lid, I'm, I am so much better off than I was. Amen? Yeah. How can you not get excited? Yeah, I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss you all for a moment. I'm looking forward to when you get there with me. But when you get there and we see what Paul saw as well, it's no wonder he had a thorn that he wouldn't boast. Like, oh, you should have seen what I saw. 
He says, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Paul was saying that even though the, the things that he was going through, what, they would ultimately lead to death, likely, and they did for him. Yet it was for life, for us. Can we say that same thing in our lives? Do the thorns work to, our, to others' benefits? Do they see life instead of death? We may see death, but through cancer or, or whatever it is that you may be struggling with, do others see life in it because of, they see Jesus in that? Folks, we are going to have thorns in our lives, yet ultimately they can be beneficial. They can benefit us as well as others. Well, the second thing I want you to notice in this passage, flip back to chapter 12, look at verse 9, the first part of verse 9. I want to talk about the strength of strengthlessness. That's a mouthful. Say that one five times fast. The strength of strengthlessness. You got it. Work on that one this afternoon when it gets cold. Help you stay warm. Verse 9, and he said to me, Jesus speaking here, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know what? Can, can you say this with me? Flip that next one there, Rachel. You're going to go. Keep going. Keep going there. Nope. Keep one more. I'm telling you, the, the, the uh, internet and everything is working as fast as I am this morning. Yep. Should we keep? Is it, maybe I didn't put it on there. Did I give you the right PowerPoint this week? Isn't that there? The next, uh, the strength of strength, strengthlessness? Is that one coming up? There we go. Here we go. Next one up there. Get that next. Can somebody read that for me. Can you say that? God's grace is yeah, say it again. God's grace is Let me ask you a question. Travis, do you believe that? You, you believe that God's grace is enough? Okay. All right. Let me see. Who else can I pick on back here? Jack! How's Phyllis? How's Phyllis? Uh, could be better. She's hurting? We're praying for her. Yeah, pray. you continue, continue to pray for Phyllis. She's hurting this morning quite badly. Do you believe God's grace is enough? It's hard sometimes. Yeah, yeah, especially in the midst of that. Yeah. How many of you believe God's grace is enough? Do you, do you, do you believe that? Now, now, how many of you, let me ask this question. How many of you really believe God's grace is enough? Now, you keep putting your hands up, but for some reason, I don't believe you. Because I know you just like I know me. I don't always believe it. Remember the man that said, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, Jesus. Help my unbelief. Are you there sometimes? Yeah. It's like, I believe it. Why am I failing so miserably? Because I don't believe it. But I really do believe it. But I don't believe it. I do. I don't. I do. I don't talking to yourself again and you're arguing with yourself and many times we do Jesus told Paul my grace is enough sufficient I love that word sufficient here is the present tense indicating a constant flow of available divine grace constant flow of available divine grace it's like turning on a faucet and it runs divine grace is there it's constant Sometimes I think we like to shut it off and handle it ourselves. 
when we were in Norway, there was this water fountain, or yeah, water fountain, waterfall. <laughs> Don't try to drink from that one. That's actually, that actually is a perfect picture. It's like trying to drink from God's grace. It's like trying to stick your face in that. It's just like, this is Scherfossen. And, and it's, hard, it's really hard to, again, I wish you could be there. I wish I could take you there and get off the train. You step out on a platform, and it's there. It's just right there. And it, it's, it's massive. My question is, where's all the water coming from? Because you notice it never stops. There, there are actually a bunch of trolls on the other side going, quick, give me another bucket. Give me another bucket. Give me another bucket. Hurry, quick, quick, slow it down. We got to keep it going. No, it, it's just, it continually comes. Of course, you know, we understand the, the principle. But in the same way, God's grace is sufficient. I love, again, the Weymouth New Testament translated, translates it as I read a little bit earlier. My grace suffices for you, for power matures in weakness. Power matures in weakness. You know, pearls, uh, how do they mature? Through what? Through pressure, through, there's one word I love. What is it? That's what I heard. Irritation, yeah. Yeah, you, uh, yeah. you know exactly where I went. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, you're my irritant, right? Thank you for growing pearls in me. How many of you have got an irritant? And, and don't, don't, guys, don't quit elbowing your wives or, yeah, wives quit elbowing you going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you see why I've grown in 35 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what you are, my irritant. I love you too, by the way. Yeah, but yet those are the very things that require more and more grace, those irritations, don't they? I mean, do we? We need the grace when the irritants come. But yet what it's producing in us is an amazing Glory that's going to come one day. A beautiful pearl when we get there. And he says, well done. And I'm like, I'll probably be like, you talking to me? Really? Me? Because he's always working in us. Because you know what? I'm totally inadequate. But in him I am totally adequate. Because he says my grace is sufficient. In fact, my greatest weakness can actually be my greatest Strength, yeah, you know, you've heard that phrase before. I think of this a- aspect of weakness Paul was talking about, and really it, uh, it, it is kind of interesting. I was looking it up in the Greek lexicon, and it, it can be defined as various aspects, disease, infirmity, feebleness, sickness, frailty. So it can be, it can be both physical, it can be emotional or mental struggles, it, it can be, I think, even into our spiritual lives. I think we have weakness, we struggle. MacArthur says this, he says, the weaker the human instrument, the more clearly God's grace shines through. Ever think about that? The weaker the human instrument, the more clearly God's grace shines through. In other words, folks, get out of the way. Let God shine through you. Stop being the one that's in the forefront. You know, when people look at you, do they see Jesus in you? Even in the struggles, even in the pains, even in the difficulties? I'll tell you, it's not easy. I mean, when I was working at Menards, there were times that I wanted to let my human nature lash out at people that just like, 
They were irritants. And what were they doing? They were creating a pearl, but it was only really if I let them. If I let God work in my life, instead of trying to take it on myself, try to fix it, try to get rid of it, just get out of my face. <laughs> I get I'd rather have somebody that's more pleasant. Well, maybe that's what God wanted for me at that moment, to teach me that my arrogance and my pride needed to be just pounded. So we need to get out of the way. Here's some verses I wanna share with you. 2 Corinthians chapter three, verses five, or verse five. You know what, we're not gonna look these up, I just wanna share some of these verses that, that help us see that our competence really does come from God. Not that we are competent in and of ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Hebrews 11, verse 34, out of weakness, we're made strong. Isaiah 43, verse two, I love this passage. I share this when people are going through difficulties. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Isaiah 40, verses 29 to 31, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Paradox of power. No might gives me strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. My wife and I were talking about this this week. She said, how's an eagle renew his strength? And I said, and I thought, well, I was like, he flies higher. But in reality, there's these old feathers that they, that they molt and they get off, they take off. And really it's the same principle. And it was like a light bulb came on for me because it was the same concept as in Ephesians chapter four. We put off the old man, we put on the new man. We take off those old feathers and we fly and soar with new feathers. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. yes. Our greatest weakness can be our greatest strength if we allow God to work through our weaknesses. So, again, recognize our inadequacy is key. Second, we realize that strength comes from strengthlessness. But folks, listen, in order to complete the equation of the paradox of power, there's another variable that is a vital necessity. And it's the only way to demonstrate strength through weakness. And it really starts with humility. In other words, being totally dependent upon God, we need to submit ourselves first and foremost to our sovereign God. James chapter four, verses seven and 10 say this. Therefore, submit to God. You can go on and read the passage. I, I've memorized it and I use it oftentimes in, in the 10 steps towards humility. But it, number one is submit to God. The number 10 ultimately is humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will what? He will lift you up. So when we humble ourselves, he raises us up. Another paradox of power. There's a variety of them in the scriptures. Living to, or dying to live, humbling myself to be exalted, being weak to be strong. Ray Steadman says this, if we admit our inadequacy, we can have God's adequacy. The greatest problem in the church is trying to do God's work with man's strength. The key to Christian sufficiency is realizing that everything comes from God and nothing comes from me. 
You see, it was God who enabled that thorn. It was God who had brought that into Paul's life. And it's sometimes tough to understand. Isaiah 45, verse 7, God says, I form the light and create the darkness. I make peace and cause calamity. What? Ooh, yeah, mull that one over this afternoon. I cause calamity. I bring about calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. That's sometimes hard to grasp. It's very difficult to think of God bringing about calamity, but sometimes those very things are the one things that he is going to grow us through that calamity. I don't like it, humanly, but spiritually it's the very thing I may need. It is difficult that we do have to submit to a sovereign God. But in doing so, we respond correctly then to our thorns. Second thing here under humility is that we need to respond to our thorns in a godly way. Look at verse 9. The way Paul responded and the way we need to. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I take pleasure in those infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. Listen, folks, I don't want thorns in my life. I'm sorry, I just don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't think anybody does. If you do, you're a lot more spiritual than I am. You're a lot stronger than I am. But I think most of us here would say, I don't want a thorn. I don't like pain. I don't want to go through this. I liked it when I could play softball and dive and, and make incredible catches and get up and run off the field. Now, if I did that, there would be others who would come and take me off the field. Uh, at least it would seem like it, especially. By the way, my back is doing much better. Thank you for the prayers. Uh, it, is, it has come back. Um, was it a thorn? Yeah. That's another one. That, yeah, the older I get, it, again, it's driving me more to the Lord. God, I can't do this. It hurts. I need your help. Help me through these things. So ultimately, again, two aspects. One, trust God. Jesus did. Jesus trusted God when he was here and he had a thorn you know what his thorn was? It was death. How about coming to, coming to earth to know that your goal is to die and rise again, but you have to die first. And Jesus submitted himself. He committed himself. First Peter chapter two, verse 23 says this. He committed himself to him who judges rightly. Jesus didn't, didn't fight it, but he committed himself to the father knowing he was gonna die. We've got to recognize that in order to, to have godly strength, true godly strength, it comes through cultivating a God dependency. I love this, this sign here. I think it is. Yeah, the only way God can show he's in control is to put us in situations we can't control. You like that? Because that's pretty much it. When I can control it, I put him back on the shelf in a box or in the little genie bottle and say, God, when I need you again, I need you to come out and help me because I need three wishes right now. How many of us are like that sometimes? Yeah, I, I can be. Oh, God, I need your help. Boop, grab him off the shelf. All done, put him back. I'm good, I, I got it, I'm okay. Many times we beg for wisdom in difficult situations. We ask for God, what am I supposed to do? Made me think about it this week. What is wisdom and dependence in that sense? When we ask for wisdom or we ask him for God's help and our dependence on him, it says wisdom is beginning each day anticipating problems 
Do you anticipate problems in the day or do you think today's gonna go smoothly? I like to think it's gonna be a good day. <laughs> and maybe a bad day is a good day. It all depends on how you look at it. Do I ask Jesus to equip me for whatever difficulties I'm going to encounter? Sometimes. The best equipping is his living presence, his hand that never lets go of yours. Discuss everything with him. Take a lighthearted view of trouble, seeing it as a challenge that you and Jesus together can handle. Remember that he is on your side and he has overcome the world. So really, I need to trust God and then I need to boast in my infirmities. Now, again, it's like, what? Yeah, well, that's what Paul's doing and that's what we need to do and I don't like it any more than you do, but that's what God calls us to do. That's the paradox of power. Do I boast? Am I thankful for my difficulties because it's what's gonna grow me? You know, I'm telling you, after 55 years, I look back over my life and I think, man, would I wanna go through that again? No. The things that I've gone through, no, I don't wanna do that again. But did it make me the man I am today? Absolutely. Well, if I let it, if God grew me and I allowed it to grow me. I could be that crotchety old buzzard, that grumpy, whatever that I was 35 years ago and still be that same person because I've not learned it. But it's just like in school. If you don't learn it and pass the test the first time, guess what? Re-enroll. You wanna take that test again? I certainly don't, but I have. I've gone through those times. You know, in verse 10, Paul lists several areas of struggles. The infirmities, again, I think he's talking about could be spiritual or physical weaknesses, reproaches, I think we get insults, people insult us, oppositions, persecutions, physical distresses, mental or emotional, all of these Paul boasted in all of them. In fact, another passage in Romans, Paul talks about how we are supposed to respond. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces Patience or endurance, Romans 5.3. Paul Tripp, maybe some of you are familiar with Paul Tripp, uh, excellent counselor, author. He says this, remember, it's not your weaknesses or it's not your weakness that will get in the way of God's working through you, but your delusions of strength. I like that statement. It's not your weakness, but it's your delusions of strength. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Point to his strength by being willing to admit your weakness. You know, if we think that we can handle it, my delusion is thinking that I can. That's the funniest thing. And I'm sure God sits up there and goes, ah, Barger, what am I gonna do with you? Because I have these delusions of strength that I've got it, that I've got a, an S underneath of here. Oops, I forgot to put the put it on today, so that I can rip the shirt off and save the day. Now, usually I fall flat on my face. Say, God, I need help. I can't do it. I've blown it. Paul understood the paradox of power. He understood the secret. But really, it's no secret. It's right there in Scripture. It's whether or not we want to live it. You see, the equation comes down to this recognizing our total inadequacy plus being totally dependent on God actually results in the ability to being totally adequate. That's really it in a nutshell. But how many of us live that way? 
How many of us actually can say, yes, I'm there? I think a lot of us struggle with this, but I wanna encourage you today. This is, take that first step on the road to being totally adequate by being totally inadequate in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, the last half. I wanna end on this statement. Paul says, for when I am weak, then, what's it say? I am strong. Are you there today? If not, I would encourage you, bow the knee, humble yourself, trust God, say, God, I can't do it. That's the first step in being able to do it. The paradox of power. In weakness, I'm strong. Let's pray. Father God, again, what a joy it is to be able to preach your word, to share the hope that we have because of what Jesus did. It is all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about anyone else. It's not about Wawasee Community Bible. But it's about you. And Father, we're only here because of you, what Jesus did. Because even as we look around, we see people that are hurting. We're right there with them to acknowledge the struggles. But yet we have a strength that comes from the work of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that can encourage us, empower us to live a godly life, even with the thorns. Father, I pray for those that are struggling with thorns this week. I'm sure all of us are. Maybe they're not as prevalent, but they come and go. Whatever they may be, Father, help us to remember that we are weak, you are strong, and because of that, we are strong. Father, thank you again for this day. Bless us, encourage us, grow us in you until the day we see you face to face and all of this is behind us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.